Hi, this is Robert Hooks, and you are listening to TV Confidential, and keep doing it. Our production is the staging of an old story. Half hour, people! This is a ghost story, one that happens to be true. Ed Robertson, welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that thanks you for making us part of your Easter weekend celebration. Ruta Lee will join us in our second hour. Ruta Lee, one of the grand dames of Hollywood. Ruta's career as an entertainer spans more than six decades, beginning with the screened versions of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and Witness for the Prosecution, two films that are still considered among the best movies ever made, as well as memorable appearances on such classic TV shows as The Twilight Zone, The Lucy Show, The Andy Griffith Show, and Perry Mason. Ruta will share a few stories about her showbiz career and more when she joins us in our second hour. Hope you stay tuned for that. Coming up later on in this hour, we will play part two of a conversation that began last week with another entertainment legend, Academy Award-winning actor George Chakiris. George Chakiris, the actor known around the world as Bernardo in the Oscar-winning screen version of West Side Story. George will share a few more memories about the making of West Side Story. Plus, I'll talk about some of his other memorable roles in movie, stage, and television, including starring opposite Elaine Stritch in the national stage production of Company and starring opposite Barbara Carrera in the famous Dream Season of Dallas. We'll play part two of our conversation with George Shakiris later on in this hour. We hope you stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, this being Easter weekend, as this program airs, that means that uh, spring is also upon us. It is also the time of year when many of us think about resurrection and rebirth. And in that respect, that makes this weekend the perfect time to introduce you to our next guest, Mr. Kirk Taylor. Kirk began his film career about 30 years ago with a role in Francis Ford Coppola's The Cotton Club. From there, Kirk worked with such varied artists as Stanley Kubrick, Spike Lee, Charles Bronson, Robin Williams, Danny Glover, and Chaka Khan before starting a very successful career as an acting teacher and acting coach. Kirk seemed content with teaching until Opportunity stepped in not too long ago, and he was offered to play the part of Simon Peter in Revival. Revival is a new musical film based on the Gospel of John. That has opened the door for Kirk to a second act as a film performer. Kirk Taylor, welcome to TV Confidential. Hey, Ed. Good to be with you. Thank you for that nice introduction. I understand that you were a little reluctant to play Simon Peter, but tell us uh, what attracted you to the part and how you got involved in the film. I, you know, as you said, I had a pretty successful career. I've been very fortunate to work some great leads and supporting leads in these different films. But I started to move a little bit in a different direction. I seemed to be led toward the teaching, and then I was working on music. I just was singing with a group here in L.A. called Angel Chorus, where we were singing at, uh, in fact, we were on the Hour of Power program for a year mm-hmm. uh, with Schuler at the Crystal Cathedral. Uh-huh. So I was doing other things, and so it just seemed like there weren't as many opportunities. I was losing a little interest, and so I, I kind of started moving in a different direction. But then, as you said, it's been really interesting to see kind of a design to things. I think as I get older, I can see more and more that things are designed, that there is kind of a higher purpose in things, and that there is a controlling force in the universe, God. Mm -hmm. So I started to see how I'd be led back in. Like, I got led back in right before Revival, 
this is the true story. I'm sitting in the room right now where it happened. I woke up that morning and I was thinking, I'm not working enough. I mean, I did the guest star on Chicago Hope and I've done this, this, and that. I said, but I'm not working enough. I thought I was supposed to come to California for my film and television career. That's what came to be so clear. And so I said, Rochelle, would you pray with me? And she said, what for? I said, well, just pray that God would be super clear. If he wants me to give up acting, cool. I'll move on to full-time teaching again or uh, really focus on the music and recording some of my original compositions. But anything, as long as he's clear, but make it clear whether it's supposed to stay in acting or not. She prays at me. She gets up. And, Ed, I didn't get out of bed yet. I'm reaching for the floor, literally, in the phone ring. So I pick it up. Who could this be? Oh, it's my manager. Hi, this is Martin from Central Artists. I said, hey, hey how you doing? He said, uh, Kirk, we were just contacted by a, a major motion picture, and we want to know your availability next week. So I'm frozen for just a second. Should I say right now, let me check my schedule? <laughs> no. I just said, yeah. I said, yes, yes, I'm available. What is it? What is it called? He said, it's called The Angriest Man in Brooklyn. I was like, The Angriest Man? Oh, my gosh, it's, it's Spike again. I did School Days with Spike. I had one of the supporting leads in that. She said, we don't know. I mean, literally, we just got the call, which means they got the call while we were praying. While we were praying, mm -hmm. they got the call. And within a week, I'm standing in front of Robin Williams and Mila Kunis, mm -hmm. wearing a New York City cop uniform. I'm from New York, the New York area, with a gun on my hip, a badge, and a squad car. And I'm about to arrest those two folks who have stolen a cab. It's crazy. So I pinched myself, I looked up and said, well, <laughs> guess we're not finished yet, are we? And so that brought me back in. And then when Revival came around later, my wife is a script supervisor. You know, she works in union, she works on television mm -hmm. and film. And she had been brought in by a producer, John Von Schuckman, who was the associate producer on the project, a friend of mine. She was brought in to do the work. And Rochelle heard, she's always, you know, when you have someone who cares about you, they're always looking for opportunities for you. They want it more than you do sometimes. Mm -hmm. She went right up to Harry Lennox, who, of course, it's his passion project. Mm -hmm. He's the one that wrote it. He's starring his punctious pilot in it, and it's a really very ambitious work. She walked right up to him. She said, hey, Harry. Hi. He said, my, my husband's an actor, and he's a very strong singer as well. He's done a lot of film work. I think she mentioned some of the projects. She, he was like, well, well, let's bring him in. And they brought me in to meet Danny Green and Albina Dodeva, the director and producer, and again, within a week, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm Simon Peter. They use his Aramaic name, Cephas, which mm -hmm. means the same thing about mm -hmm. like a rock, mm -hmm. Peter. So I had the role, and so now I'm back. I'm like, oh my gosh. And as I looked, because I didn't think I was going to get that role, I thought I was going to get the role of his brother, of Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, which was a non-singing role. But I thought, man, that's a waste. It's not even that great a part. I mean, who has a better arc and who has a better, more compelling story than Peter? The daredevil, the rough and ready fisherman turned disciple who was willing to do anything. The only other person to walk on water besides Jesus. I want to play this guy. And then he fails so miserably. Mm -hmm. The wheels come off. I mean, he denies Christ in ways that the others did. And they ran and hid because they were scared. He actually said it three times that he was, they didn't even know him. So I said, this is the guy I should play, but okay. Well, I said, Lord, help me be thankful for getting the part of Andrew. Thank you for that. Thank you. Kirk, got good news. What? You got Simon Peter, and you got a song, too, the Doubting Thomas song. that you sing the poor, maligned Doubting Thomas? I don't blame him. If I wasn't there when Jesus showed up again after, you know, for the resurrection, I would have, I would, I would need to be shown, too. Yeah, he was here. He had. We saw the scars in his hands. He's back. He did exactly what he prophesied. What's in the scriptures from a thousand years before? He did it. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. 
So we sang a song to Thomas. So I have a wonderful song that I do with it's a trio of us. That, or actually, it's a quartet, really, because Molly, who wrote it, comes in a little later on. But it's a wonderful tune. So here I am in the middle of this. And so, again, a divine hand, just a faith-building thing to happen and a, a comeback. It is my second act. I think Jennifer Lopez just did a film called Second Act. But it is a second act, and it's exciting because I realize there's purpose in it. I realize that my skill set has gotten deeper and has been sharpened through the work that I've done, and I'm ready to work more than I've ever had. And this role is the best. Listen, I love my role in Full Metal Jacket with Stanley Cooper, mm-hmm. Sergeant Payback. I love that role. I love the giggler, even though I deserve to die at the hands of Charles Bronson <laughs> and a host of other creators. I mean, when I saw that film, I literally said, when I was watching it the first time, I was like, oh my God, just kill this guy. Kill the <laughs> I'm saying that about myself, but I deserve this. And so that's the redemptive angle I always look for. Is there payback? Is there consequence? Or is there some turnaround for some, a character? So this role provided me with, it was really, it's really the role of a lifetime in, in, compared to even all those great films. And I, I've done a few films with Phil Robinson besides Angriest Man in Brooklyn. I did Freedom Song for TNT with Danny Glover. Civil Rights Pick Peace about mm-hmm. SNCC, and I did um, The Sum of All Fears, a blockbuster with, with Ben Affleck and Morgan Freeman and those folks. But in terms of just the, the arc of the character, the, the weightiness of the role, the fact that it's a real guy, it does something to you when you portray a real character. It does something. It does something to me because I realize not only the great privilege of, of bringing this soul to life, but the responsibility. I mean, my gosh, Peter was the, is a pillar of the church. He's foundational to our faith. He was a great, great man, and at times a great failure. So this is the role. And when I got it, I, I realized that, again, God wasn't letting go, that this is something that I'm going to do. I, there are other things I do. I still teach. I still coach. I'm in the studio now recording an album with this wonderful pianist, composer, arranger, Kevin Tony, who was, uh, used to be in Donald Bird and the Blackbirds group years ago. Wonderful guy. And we're, so we're recording an album. I'm working on some scripts. So we're doing other things, but acting is in my DNA. And I should say this too, Ed, in a way, Revival marks a kind of full circle come around where I started at, at nine years old in a play, in a play called The King and I, a musical. Mm-hmm. And my mother coached me. Later found out that she, her, in her yearbook it said, in high school, she said, I want to be a dramatics teacher. I was like, I didn't even know that. Oh my gosh, she was coaching me for my very first role. And then I, in high school, I got into the musicals there. You know, we did Cabaret the first year. I had the, the Joel Gray role. Uh, then we did Pajama Games, Sid Sorokin. And then we did the lastly, Little Abner. And so I started in musical theater, even though I moved away from it to go study with people like Lee Strasberg, because I didn't want to be known as a musical performer. Now, I wanted to be, have more depth than that. I wanted to understand the craft and the art of acting. So I studied with them and didn't tell them I sang. Until a couple of shows came up, I did uh, came back to musicals in Five Guys Named Mo, which is a Broadway show. We did the first Broadway tour of it after it left Broadway, and I was on the road for a year doing that. And when I auditioned for that, <laughs> they didn't know me as a singer. I said, oh, yeah, Kirk, he's done Full Metal Jacket, he's done Death with Street, he's done The Last Dragon. Oh, yeah, the Cotton Club. Okay, good. Well, let's just see him. He's the right type. But he, I don't think he's a singer. I started to sing, and they all, their eyes got wide. <laughs> and, and, and afterwards, they literally, one of the guys said, I think it was Romare, he said, I didn't know you could sing like that. And I sang a Michael Jackson song for my opening. I said, could it be I stayed away too long? Did I leave your mind when I was gone? I want to be where you are. Oh. <laughs> 
I wanna be wet. So I started singing that song, and they just mouths dropped open, and they said, "You got the role." And so I went on tour with some of the baddest Broadway dudes in the world, Milton Craig Neely and Doug Eskew, who were from the very original Broadway company. It was, it was a, what a great opportunity to come back and now apply some of my dramatic skills to a musical comedy that is trying to ground it in some kind of emotional truth, trying to find the bottom of the character and not just mm, act it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you hear Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman talks about that a lot, about how much he hates acting, but he means where you indicate exactly that you're going through an experience exactly the, going through it on the line with us is kirk taylor kirk plays simon peter in revival revival on upcoming musical film produced by and starring harry lennox that is based on the gospel according to john revival is now available on dvd as well as streaming on demand for more information revivalthemovie.com revivalthemovie.com you can also Stay up to date with the latest news with Revival by following Revival the Experience on Facebook. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Kirk Taylor's other films include Full Metal Jacket, The Cotton Club, The Last Dragon, School Days, Freedom Song, The Sum of All Fears, and The Angriest Man in Brooklyn, while his television credits include appearances in such shows as Chicago Hope, Law & Order, All My Children, and NCIS Los Angeles. You can follow Kirk Taylor on both Twitter and Instagram at I am Kirk Taylor. Kirk's website, KirkTaylorOfficial.com. The best actors, and I think you'll agree with me on this, Kirk, the best actors make it seem like what you're seeing on film is, if not an extension of who they are as a human being, but as if you're looking at Kirk Taylor, the human being, Dustin Hoffman, the human being, versus assuming a character. That's a great observation. That's exactly what it is. And when he, when Dustin Hoffman directed his did his directorial debut, and it's called either the Quartet or the Late Quartet, mm-hmm. where he used he used the real performers, that, you know, the, the people that were in the story. He found the real ones, and including you know, he used Maggie Smith and other well-known actors. But his first note to them was this: Do not act. Yes. No acting. Yes. Allow yourself to experience that. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to be brave enough to share the pain that, you know, you know, this pain, you don't have to act this pain. You know, this joy, you know, this exhilaration, don't act it. And I remember one of my acting teachers, David Gideon years ago said, it was, you know, I've been studying with him for years. And he said something that just blew my mind. I, I had um, adapted and wrote music, new music for um, it's a play called, uh, it was a mummer's play called The Mask of St. George and the Dragon. I wrote a completely different score for it, different lyrics. I did an overall on the thing. And one of the guys was playing Blunderbore the Giant. Fee, five, oh, <laughs> I smell the blood of an Englishman. And this dude was acting his behind off, but he was acting. And all Gideon said to him was this. He said, man, he said, don't act mad, be mad. Yeah. And it's a, it seems like a subtle thing, but it leads to what you said where you watch someone, and our job is to do this, where you watch someone and it makes you stop eating your popcorn Mm -hmm. in mid-stroke. That's what Brando talked about. He Mm -hmm. said, our job is to touch them so deeply and surprise them so much with truth that literally they have to stop chewing their popcorn Mm -hmm. to watch you. And so that's the kind of work that I I aspire to, and I've been fortunate enough to to be able to do as well. And I'm, I'm still... Training, but besides teaching and the coaching and stuff I do and all the auditions, I still go to class myself. I, yeah. I sit in with my buddy Barry Papik, 
who has a class we studied together. We were in Lee's class. We were in Stella Adler's class together. So we could both go back to those two masters. And uh, with, when I'm not working, I go sit in on Mondays and participate. And it's been, uh, you, you know how it is, having community, having people that support you, whether it be your family mm-hmm. or having an artist community. It's life-sustaining. It's life-affirming. It's needed because as artists, we can be a little bit ostracized and feel a little bit other than and I think as artists, we need support. And, of course, spiritually. I mean, I'm part of a spiritual community. That's been, I can't even tell you. If I knew, if I told you some of the stuff that I've had to go through, and yet I came out on the other side because I, I have an attitude of trust and surrender, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, which is why Peter was such a good fit in me, where I had to find a way to get down to it one knee or two knees and ask for help or remind myself of what God has invested in me and what he's doing. And his track record, as King David said, when they said, how are you going to kill the giant? You can't kill the giant. Goliath's been fighting since he was in his youth, and you're just a kid. He, he remembered. He said, you know what? But God gave me strength mm-hmm. to kill the bear and to slay the lion. And this uncircumcised Philistine will not stand before the armies of the living God. He said, whoa. <laughs> because, you killed, because you killed a lion and yeah. a bear. Well, I guess that would give me a certain amount of confidence. Maybe not enough to fight Goliath, yep. but I would... It would have to consider it, and that's what I've had to do. Remember, remember, God said, you know, remember the past. Let's go over it. What did I do? Remember the testimonies. Remember your mother. Remember the miracles. I'm, in fact, even that I'm on the phone with you, Ed, for the listeners to know, this is part of a miracle because I should not be talking to you. You should be talking to a different guy who's doing the same role because at seven years old in 1941, my mother, my first acting coach, and my birthing coach too, I guess, she contracted spinal meningitis. Now, if you know anything about that disease and the time period, there's no cure. Mm-hmm. They didn't have antibiotics proliferated at that time. So in 1941, she was, she was, they literally called grandmother in Washington and said, this is weeks, week, we're so sorry. Rose is going to die today. That's how bad it was. Get here. If you want to see her before she passes, get here immediately. So they got on the back of the bus. Grandmother was praying. Aunt Lee was trying to shut her up. They got to the hospital. The doctor gave almost the worst news. They said, we're so you're too late. Like she was literally expiring in the next room, gasping, and her brain had swollen against her skull. Mm-hmm. She was sweating. She was getting ready to die. They were, they were basically saying, make funeral arrangements. She's not going to make it. Grandmother dropped her knees in front of the, everybody there, the doctor. Aunt Lee, was, who's an evangelist down in St. Croix, Aunt Lee Padilla, she tried to get her up. She was embarrassed. But Grandmother didn't care because she knew what God could do if it was in his will. And she lifted her hands up to heaven and looked up and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, if you save my daughter, Rose Marie, I'll dedicate the rest of my life to you. And a ruckus started in the room. A nurse came running out. Another nurse ran, ran in. They came and grabbed the doctor. The doctor ran into the room and came out shaking his head. He says, the brain swelling went down. I mean, she's, she's, just, she's, she's awake. Mm-hmm. She's sitting up in the bed. And she's smiling. We're going to run more tests, but if you want to go see her, you can go see her now. And they sent grandmother in. And my mother said all she remembers from that is being inside of a plastic bubble and waving to grandmother and Ali as they waved to her. Hi, Rosemary. Hi, Rosie. How are you doing? And she's just waving back and smiling. And they took her home. So I have often felt that because I'm literally the byproduct of a covenant, grandmother kept her word. She dedicated her. She would be 101. And she sowed those truths into us, and she lived it. She didn't have to talk too much because... As one of the early church fathers said, preach the gospel always and sometimes even use words. 
So you don't need to beat anybody over the head. Live it. That's the hard thing. It's easy to talk. You know how it is. Talk is really cheap. And grandmother lived it, and so she did mark the family. And I'm here because of that promise. Because mm -hmm. as a little kid, when I heard the story, I was flabbergasted. Yeah. I was like, but wait a minute. Mommy was, what, seven? I said, yeah. So how is she going to meet daddy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Back to the future. Mm hmm <laughs> where, where somebody literally starts disappearing from a Polaroid. Yeah. I literally felt myself disappear for a second. I was like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even. Yeah. And, and, I, and here's the thing that blew, that blew my mind as a kid. No one would really know. No yeah. one would know that I was missing. I had a friend that died when he was 13 from a gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, an accidental one, he shot himself tr trying to clean his gun. Mm -hmm. And I remember after he passed, Robert Cheek, I'll never forget him. We used to call him Ken. 13 years old, went to military school. It was going to be, we used to have these nights where we'd talk about how we were going to meet, go to college and meet a beautiful girl, get married and have children. And we'd talk about what we were going to do. And when he died, I realized, I said, wow, there's a woman that he would have met that will never know. She will never know that he wasn't there. She will never know that he was taken from the land of the living and would never have the opportunity to meet her, that they would have had a family together. There was a woman. I don't know who it was. God knows yeah. if he had made it past that injury or made it uh, not shot himself. So I take it very seriously as a great responsibility to try to, in, in such a difficult field and such shark-infested waters in our industry and just the world at large, try to more and more to really live out my, my, my legacy and, and to represent those that aren't here. That's what every generation has to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like your parents had to bury their parents. Yep. And yet they continued on with you, so mm -hmm. that you, you were sad too, but it's not the way it hits you when you're a parent. But they kept going for us, and they continued, they represented their family on earth for their time. And so revival kind of is a, a testimony to grandmother's prayer in 1941 in a D.C. hospital, and here I am. So I've seen that kind of design. That's why I said earlier about seeing design in things. And I think that if you look close enough, you'll see it. But many people don't want to see it. They're afraid to see it. Exactly. You have to be, regardless of what your belief system is, if an opportunity comes, you have to be open to that opportunity. Even if you want to do it but not sure you can do it, you, mm -hmm. you have to be open to that. Because if you're not open to that, you may miss out on other things that may have come, that probably would have come, had you taken that leap of faith. Yes, and I guess people don't really see it as a crossroads. But we're faced with those kind of crossroads on a pretty regular basis. Where mm -hmm. it's like, should I go this way or that way? And you get assigned to go a certain way, and you feel that tug in your heart. You feel like that it makes sense, whatever, even if it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. If you start down that path with faith, God will correct you if you're going the wrong way. But very often people miss it because of fear and, and other, other ingredients, even the fact that they don't want God making demands on their life. A lot of people's uh, objections are not... Uh, based in real doubt. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, listen, I don't want this to be true because if that means, if this is true, I'm going to have to give up this and I, I'll have to live this way and, and it's not going to be any fun. It's a lie, but that's what people believe. On the line with us is Kirk Taylor. Kirk plays Simon Peter. Simon Peter, the apostle who denies Jesus in Revival, the new musical film produced by and starring Harry Lennox that is based on the gospel according to John. Revival is now available on DVD as well as streaming on demand. We'll play some more of our conversation with Kirk at the end of our second hour. We'll be up here. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'll take a quick time out. 
that will play part two of our conversation with Academy Award winner George Chikaris when we come back on TV Confidential. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time Time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-890-1032. 800-890-1032. That's 800-890-1032. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.